Welcome, one and all, to Lower Decks, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official and official Star Trek podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hailing frequencies are open. Enter, friend. Lower Decks, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 304, Room for Growth, comes to you now via tension level monitoring wristband. And news from the fleet for this episode leaves orbit. Yesterday, Pete, we were talking She-Hulk episode 5, and a reminder that our She-Hulk podcast will be moving to Fridays. Why is that, Pete? That is because, Matt, that this week, the three-episode premiere of Andor hits Disney Plus on uh, Wednesday, September 21st. Uh, She-Hulk is uh, streamed on Thursdays. We're going to get you our She-Hulk thoughts on Friday. We've got a little bit more to digest right off the bat for Andor, three episodes, we're going to do Star Wars Saturdays from here on out. And speaking of which, our final preview on the Andor uh, show is up on our Andor podcast feed to get you ready. These next four weeks, Pete, are going to be epic. Uh, it's the Holy Grail here, the Holy Grail weeks, Star Wars, Star Trek, and Marvel, and absolutely cannot wait to dive on into it. Uh, but first, Pete, the reason we are here assembled, let's get into the ready rundown. Program complete. Enter when ready. In the lower deck's bunk area, there's tension as Goopy gets away and everyone is packed in so tight. Rutherford notes that things were not designed for so many crew. And the captain is Manuki, taken over by yet another alien mask. You cannot contain Manuki. After the credits, Captain's Log and the Cerritos has been turned back from temple form and Manuki pushed away. It's been round-the-clock work to fix the systems, and the captain is worried that all this crazy work is taking a toll on the engineers. Philip says everything is almost done, and there are so many tired engineers. Time has lost all meaning, and the doctor says that Billups is a pile of stress. And he is stressed. There is the Carlsbad project coming up soon. And Billups slaps, then cries on Jax. Who's ready for a mandatory vacation? Yay! Rutherford is taking manuals to the vacation, but he will miss out on the room lottery. On the Dove, a spa ship, Freeman and the engineers beam in. Tox welcomes them to the science of relaxation. Wristbands and lemonade for everyone. We'll get you in the green soon. There's a puppy playpen, a kitten one. There are also mud baths, a Klingon throwing things, but where are the engineers? They're back there fixing the door. After a mud bath for the captain, the engineers are in a sand garden. But wait, the design is actually that of a designed schematic. No, this is bad. And look, Meredith is getting a massage. But while building a thingy, the captain is upset. Mandatory mani petties are called for, and everyone is calm. There are green bands. Rutherford has loved the petty, but no mani needed. Indeed, that's because the cucumbers have been used to block the wristbands and give the green reading. The captain rages and her wristband goes from yellow to red to black. She needs intensive treatment. There's months worth of stress there. They needed to be hardworking and that might get Freeman sent to Earth and off the Cerritos for medical attention. Rutherford has an idea, but Freeman is maxed out on the puppies. However, Rutherford still is working away. Bill says that they are ready to de-stress her now. 
It turns out that for engineers, stress relief is engineering solutions to problems. This relaxation pod will simulate a month on the Dove. Freeman steps in, lights flash, and now she's all in the green. It'll make the Dove obsolete. But back to that room lottery that Rutherford missed out on. There are four great suites on deck one. Tendi chases Goopy again, this time to the Jeffrey's tube, and overhears evil Delta Shift putting together plans to goose the lottery. Those jerks. Mariner says that they need to cheat back, and that will even things out. Let's act in an ethical gray area. They have a plan. Enter the maintenance shaft into holodeck three. Ta'ana is there, but they'll sneak in. They enter a black and white Bonnie and Clyde story. Don't push the doctor. Then, oh no, it's the feds. Safety protocols are taken offline, but her play friend Shax pauses it just as a bullet almost takes out Boimler. Shax and Ta'ana, Diane Ta'ana, are about to be uh, more intimate and our heroes move on. Oh man. They're making great time and enter the super gross swamp under the hydroponics bay. Is there a tamarind root? It does cause hallucinations for humans and is so, so trippy. The oxygen levels are depleting, and it's so, so funny. Tendi sees a maze. Wait, what maze? Back in reality, Tendi saves the two of them, and Mariner's briefly spanked? But back to the shortcut, they're a bit lost after all the retrofits. Boimler takes an off-ramp, and they're in a round room with low gravity. Such fun, such fun. On the bridge, there are minor asteroids coming, but let the dish take care of it. Turns out our heroes are in the deflector array. The ladies get safe, but they need a tether to save Boimler. The ladies, um, make a tether. Boimler is saved. We'll just leave it at that. They wonder what they'll say to let people into their room. Will it be come? Enter, friend? As they wait, Delta Shifters are there. Both sides share similar journeys. And the Delta Shifters had come across Shaxx and Ta'ana making whoopee. Time goes by and they talk about Caveman Ransom's Churro Leva. His office does smell like cinnamon. How does it stay refreshed? Maybe the two shifts do have a lot in common. What if Lower Deckers stuck together? They can go through the port together. But psych, Delta Shift has won, alas. All that's left is a puddle of Manuki water, which leads to a vent bypass. Bold Boims dives on in. They're hop, skip, and a jump into the terminal, and Boimler puts all four names in. But it's not four rooms on deck one. It's one room on deck four. That would separate them before Tendi is a bridge officer, before Mariner is drummed out of the star service, and before Boimler presumably dies. They can all walk away and let Delta Shift separate themselves. But Delta Shift does win, and their idea is to put four beds in there. Tendi says that they were doing one for all, but it seems Delta Shift has come up with a different way to do one for all. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Pete, we have a tactical analysis of this week's threats, and let's start with the Manuki. The now trope of the ancient mask that transforms the ship, uh, you know, that masks episode of Star Trek The Next Generation Remains talked about for so many reasons, but love that they return to this. Not as the main thing in the episode, as something we catch in Medias Res, uh, but to really catapult the episode forward. It's also a reminder that the Star Trek adventures that we have loved the most 
for those in Starfleet, it's, I mean, look, it's a big deal in the moment when the captain is taken over by an alien presence and the ship is being turned into something other than a ship and so forth. But it's like, it happened again. Like, obviously that's the joke, but also just the, you know, the, the strange new worlds, let's see what's out there. You know, sometimes it's these crazy wacky things and yet another week in Starfleet. Yeah, three times this apparently happened on the Cerritos alone. Stress, Matt, uh, a a work-life balance seems to really be an underlying theme of this particular season of uh, Lower Decks. I, I wonder if, you know, you know, can we see the writer in the writing? Here it is, you know, crank out that third season. Uh, work within the certain parameters, hit your dates, you know, no more COVID excuses. Um, again, just speculation here. But uh, how about this, Pete? If nothing else, a bit more topical. Let's say when one compares when the second season was made versus when the third season was made slash coming out in terms of back to work, things reopening and so forth. I know for, for us, it is, it is uh, you know, kind of farther in the past, but a good debate evergreen and one that's uh, certainly been on people's lips, let's say in the last year or so. The Delta shift reappears on our radar here after a little bit. I would have been okay if the Delta shift sympathetic fake out was not a fake out. You know, if we got that Starfleet Star Trek lesson of working together and so forth, I think a it's funnier that they do get uh, get the old switcheroo there, our heroes do, and B, you know, given the scope of this show, which yes, it can be the the masks and uh, interstellar threat and risk of war and which side of the Klingons and all that, but it really does always come home to we are the lower decks, we are the people who sleep in bunks, we are the people who, you know, clean out the hollow decks after, uh, you know, bridge officers have had adventures and so forth. It's a good reminder that, you know, we need to stay focused on our core four and not necessarily expand that to a similar core four. The uh, Tamarian Defern route there found <clears throat> beneath the hydroponics bay, which, of course, has the uh, hallucinogenic effect on our humans. Um Interesting that this is something that, uh, you know, Kayshawn is seen up above, you know, doing his, uh, you know, gardening in the hydroponics bay. But of course, this causes chaos on the decks below. And I mean, it it makes sense in the story in terms of here we are in the bowels and it's the unintended consequences of the roots and, you know, so on and so forth. But uh, Pete. I didn't even know to have on my bingo card um, characters get space high and trip and all of that. Like this was already a bonkers episode. Let's just say with the holodeck stuff. And this is a bonkers episode where all of a sudden uniforms need to come off and all of that. Although that's, you know, it, it, it's played fairly straight and not, not for laughs, not for libidinous things, but um, yeah, getting space high there beneath hydroponics bay and so forth um a delightful strange hilarious moment here for the story and then we got to have a threat from without the ship there the asteroid cluster while our heroes are in the 
deflector array. We've talked a number of times how on lower decks, sometimes they, sometimes the story for the purposes of whether it's animation or comedy, sometimes they'll be half a hair over from the, the live action reality. I think hanging out in like, Oh, this is a random round room where gravity is weird. Like I think most officers, you want to say more senior than ensigns. Okay, fine. If that's the, that's the story. Gimme. Um, I think most people would be like, Hey, where are we? Let's determine where we are before we hang out here and have fun. It's a lot different than Jeffrey's tube. Again, not a complaint. Lower decks has gone there before where they, where they bend things ever so slightly. Heck, Pete, while going down a click hole in Memory Alpha for the episode Masks, uh, Brent Spiner, you know, in the 90s at a convention, had had memories of this episode. But in his quote, he was also mixing it up with a season five episode where there's a different alien force that takes over people's bodies. It's just my point being, we can all bend a little bit with the craziness here. And if they didn't know they were in the deflector array uh, and it got us one of the most bonkers uh, bits of story that Star Trek has ever done... In an episode that already has had bonkers bits, I'm a-okay with it. Let's use our long-range sensors to scan for some theories. Pete, where would you like to start? Beneath the dove, Matt, or at least uh, from the perspective that we have and a battle star there really i how did i not catch that wow there is a ship in the shape of a battle star okay right there go and check it out um that is fantastic i mean clearly meant to be an homage i'm reminded am i correct pete in saying that on Battlestar Galactica, obviously the sci-fi reboot, um, there was both a Firefly and way off in the distance an Enterprise. I think I, I think that's true for both of them. Um, in fact, I'm remembering now there was a Firefly class ship uh, in the miniseries when the future president Rosalind finds out she has a cancer diagnosis. Uh, so I just love it. It's it's sci-fi tipping you know tipping their hats to one another. Uh, and, and, you know, as a, as a nod, that's absolutely wonderful. I get story. I get the need to create the journey to this terminal where they can rig the lottery, but it would have been solved by a site to site transport. Um, agree. You know, Pete, those transporter chiefs, what do they do most of the time? They just kind of sit there, right? So I'm, Again, in the world of a story gimme, um, if you want to tell me, uh, well, the story didn't go there, so we could have, to have an adventure. Okay, fine. We all agree that. Agree with that. You want to tell me you'd need a transporter you know, operator to do it, and they're not going to allow it, or you're going to tell me ensigns can't say computers, site-to-site transport to the lottery buffer, and they don't have sufficient rank. I mean, I think there's enough story reasons why not? Although your 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 point is a great one. The juiciest thing in this episode, of course, is Dr. Tana's and Shax's black and white bonk holodeck program. 
Okay. Let's let's unpack what's going on in here. Okay. Um so let Pete, let's start at the beginning. A very good place to start, okay? We know that there had been some uh sparks between them in earlier seasons. I don't know if that was sparks kind of revealed to we the audience, but they already had an ongoing thing. Um but we we know that there was a closeness, a growing closeness between them. Um the notion that they go play holodeck bonnie and clyde and then that gets the the blood pumping and intimacies happen and so forth um uh, okay thusly presented and uh they're they're two adults having some fun it makes sense to flip the expectations so that of course, the male is the sensitive one and wants to talk about his dreams, wants to be asked how his mission went. Uh, but then he throws that he died and they never talked about it. Something that speaks both to their relationship and our relationship with Shaxx on the show is, you know, really smart writing as well. Well, and as we make our way through that scene, let me ask you this, Pete. Is her given first name Diane? Is her character name, her holodeck character name, Diane? Or is uh, his, uh, I will say pet, with, with no disparagement meant towards uh, the, the Cajun species, but is his pet name for her Diane? Which is it? I think because Boimler says that, or asks it, is Diane her kinky sex name, we're meant to not fully know and that you know what she breaks him out of the you know lament of their fantasy role-playing uh with is the idea of oh let me tell you how i lost my tail okay which i hope we get the full tale of the tale of the tale uh, and, and what happened on the Algonquin, um, and that Tendi clearly has an interest in it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's the core of this episode. It's the best part. It's among the best of what Lower Decks has ever done. And, uh, it's just another reason Dr. I'll put in parentheses, Diana, or, or what is it? Diane Tana. Uh, remains my favorite character. Do you have your own tale of the tale? Why do you think she has lost it? And further side note, do you think Diane, Ta'ana, and Shax will perhaps do another role play using a Paramount property and they could play Cheers? <laughs> that could be really cute. Uh, no, I want to hear them. I want to see them tell the story. They're not asking me to do it here, but I'm available. Pete, I would be interested to hear what future theories, what other theories you have. It strikes me that this, I mean, this is a very entertaining episode. This is not an episode that advances the ongoing plot in any great way. Not that Lower Decks episodes need to do that, nor do, nor do uh, you know, many episodes advance, you know, whether it's the Packlet thread or whatever it might be. But this is kind of like, two weirdly self-contained stories, both of which are just bonkers. I got the sense with the 
uh, hallucinogen with the hallucinations um, that maybe we were laying some tracks way the animation went i almost thought they were going to go into live action for a moment matt that we might be setting up how they will cross over with uh star trek strange new worlds that's a good take and a good theory um i think that given is how it's going to am i correct in saying my my understanding that we will have at least some lower decks on Strange New Worlds, or are we not completely sure yet? I mean, I know there's a live action component. Are are we not completely sure where, like, on which show this takes place? Am I correct in saying that? Um, definitely two Strange New Worlds. We're we're doing live action, uh, Boimler and Mariner at the very least. Um, the way it sounded that it's going to go both ways. So I guess in response to that, it could be a hallucin, like it could be a hallucination, right? Like really genuinely not knowing which show we get this on, or maybe it's a short track or a special or something. Did um, we hallucinate it? Did, did we, halluc- <laughs> did we hallucinate the details? Possibly. Um, I bottom line is this your instinct I really really like and I think it's worth watching out uh in these you know as we approach the second half of the season here um it's worth watching out where that might happen whether that's setting up an ongoing thing you know if it's like the 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 space-time gem or something like that comes along where you know we might have future episodes that are largely self-contained, hilarious, bonkers episodes, but what is the thing that will cause the crossover and where and when will it happen? Uh, these are all really good things to keep an eye out for. The return of bold Boimler. So not a one-off thing. They're making this a, you know, a season type of arc. Uh, couple that with anti-grav boy here and the change we've seen in Boimler over three seasons. Pete, I would add to it, not that I take this as true foreshadowing and I don't, I don't emotionally feel the, the, uh, the, the, the dour note here, but we do have the notion at the end, you know, Tendi headed to be a bridge officer, Mariner headed to be drummed out and Boimler will die. Um, again, <laughs> I'm not actually proposing that, but I will just say in terms of character growth and look, he's doing more dangerous things, you know, uh, I mean, (laughs) characters have died and come back. Characters have died and gone to different times and places and so forth. So, uh, explained it all. And then are in the holodeck (laughs) a hundred percent. So I would say, be careful, bold Boimler. Um, the deflector dish here, never the inside of a deflector dish and to have it, you know, need to do this centrifugal action. Of course, you know, it's all theoretical technology, um, but creating a situation to, uh, need to push off space debris, you know, something, hence a deflector, but, uh, needing to rescue anti-grav boy, bold Boimler there uh, by 
taking off the old uniforms and using them as tethers, something I wasn't super crazy about. I think sometimes they look to put Mariner and now Tendi in their undies, even though we had a dude with a really short towel early on. I, I just wish it was a little more fair all the way around. I am reminded of the uh, we had the sonic shower scene last season yep. where, where yep. certainly that was that that was uh, equal across the board. Um, I would agree with you, Pete. While I didn't necessarily uh, hate the scene for its merits, it was a little like now we'll have the ladies strip down. Um, I don't know. That said, I know there's somebody on Twitter that's like cataloged all the, the all the appearances of the towel guy. Uh, I believe it was a female twitter user who was uh, cataloging such things uh with admiration but um beat again we can just chalk up, chalk up so much in this episode to truly unexpected storytelling i mean event that only opens for 10 seconds of every hour i mean come on um yeah i as you had said concerning the deflector array not knowing the supposed science, let alone it's sci-fi science. Anyway, you want to tell me the thing spins to get the waves to do the thing? Like, okay, that checks out for my kind of minimal sense of of it. Uh, as for the vent that you know, as for the vent that's on this weird timer, that probably makes even less sense. You know, what's its story purpose? It's to make them sit there and talk, and there's the big fake out and all of that. So I understand it. Uh, you know, slight shades of uh, the masher crushers from galaxy quest and all of that um but yeah again there's there, there are elements of this episode and there continue to be elements in this show where i suspect in the writer's room they've maybe said well that's really funny but are we is this like looney tunes are we leaning towards looney tunes versus like you know star trek next generation drumhead and and contemplative reflection of our world and i think sometimes they just say you know we, we can get away with 10 seconds five seconds of looney tunes and then go back to a largely grounded story that is mostly taking place in an animated version of the live action star trek universe all right we're gonna do a little role play now listeners but don't turn it off it's not gonna be the uh taana shacks type of role play Matt, you have just been given a uh, a room on the Cerritos with a door. Okay, what is uh, knock knock? Can I come in? What do you say? We have what Riker says. Tendy's gonna say, "Enter, friend." What do you say? I feel like I might not be as creative. I might just say, "Come in." Uh, I I might. Tr- reflect my earther tradition and continue that that earther <laughs> uh saying um i have to admit pete i'm a bit here a bit put on the spot here i'm not I'm not sure what i would say that's cool or do i just do i save my brain cells and start working on my on my warp it uh saying i don't know but what would you say i would steal uh the seinfeld hello um Okay, that that certainly works too. Uh, I'm doing a quick Google search here for international answers to knock knock, and now I'm getting knock knock <laughs> jokes. So maybe that's a tangent not worth going down. But 
Um, Pete, if nothing else, this is a great discussion for social media. People could tell us what they would say uh, when there is the, the, the door chime on their own Star Trek Starship quarters. The tale that Delta Shift shares about Ransom with the churro doll wife, Churlivia, <laughs> which is a great name, Churlivia. Um, and then that it's confirmed when he has the replicator put 35 hot churros in an unmarked paper bag. That's almost too good to not return to. I would agree. I would agree wholeheartedly. And you're reminding me that that's yet another example of how this is the perhaps the most randy episode of Star Trek ever. We have it in the the churro bit. We have it in the let's help Boimler by taking off our uniforms bit. Uh, the, the 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 holodeck. Mariner receives a spank on the hiney at one point. This is Pete. This is not Star Trek Prodigy. I know that. And this stress-removing machine that uh, uh, Captain Freeman's engineers create against her wishes that works, that de-stresses her, but then that the commander of the Dove wants off the ship immediately because it means the end of her job. (laughs) Uh, Which was a funny bit there. And I think there is a tension to the character of Tox where I don't think that was uh, entirely unexpected. Um, it's kind of this weird tension to make people not tense, um, which, uh, I don't know, I feel I feel in a very weird way is in line with everything else. Like, it's my job to make you feel that you don't have a job, but feel, you know, as you relax and, and, and all of that. So that's both a punchline and a scenario that I bought. Would you be allowed to place four beds? I mean, we've seen two roommates in a starship room, but four, wouldn't it be a little overcrowded? I mean, I would add to it as well. Look, either we're having ensigns sleep in bunk style, you know, in a bunk style arrangement, either that's being done to like, give incentive to work your way up or you know to remind the the lower ranked people of their place in life and listen to your superior you know whatever it is as incentive as reminder and again maybe this is like we're 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 overly analyzing something that's a punchline but i don't think that's this i think that if if they could do groups of four if they could say after your freshman year when you're still an ensign you can now dorm up um i kind of don't see why not um, maybe the best answer is just because story wanted it to be that way, but I'm with you. I feel like many a person would rather get out of the hallway and at least have the privacy of, uh, you know, it might be somewhat cramped quarters, but Hey, here's our, here's our communal dinner table for the four of us, as opposed to, I am hungry. Let me take a turbo lift up four decks to go to the mess hall slash bar with that. Let's go to hailing frequencies. Hailing frequencies open, sir. We go to the Twitter poll where the choices were this. Pete, one angry face, stress, got 0%. Uh, two kind of uh, bikini-type underwear outfits there. A bothered Boims, 5%. Three baths, that's for your mud bath heaven, got 10%. just want to mention, Pete, it's in the last couple of weeks. 
we've talked, I think, a couple times about the uh, TNG episode that did involve a mud bath and Loxana Troy and Worf and so forth. So I like that there's continued mud baths in the future, I guess. Uh, then Pete with 85%, uh, four amazed faces. And weirdly, I'm not quite sure why I got in there, a glass of milk. Holy holodeck. Uh, <laughs> some replies from some folks. First one, Spider-Ham Lincoln, Tess LC139. I thought Lower Decks 304 was the weakest of the season so far. I just watched it yesterday, and I couldn't remember the plot well enough to vote before I had to look it up on IMDb. It entertained me, I guess, but it didn't make uh, I didn't make room for it in my memory banks. Better luck next week. And James is sagacious. That's Big Killin on Twitter says the holodeck scene pushed boundaries in the most delightful way. Every second of dialogue in this season is a gem. They don't rely on animation for laughs. The subtle character humor is everywhere. Homegirl needed a cigarette. Wow. <laughs> and certainly, Pete, this and every episode made possible by those who support us on Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek, keeping us listeners supported. And as always, our thanks. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content, all sorts of levels to choose from, but it takes just a dollar a month to get you in that door. Can't contribute this month? Get yourself over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating or review to any of our 32 podcast feeds. Could really use it for Lower Decks. Could use it for any of our Star Trek podcasts. Could use it over there on Andor uh, as the algorithm picking that one up to push out to all our Star Wars listeners. And certainly, Pete, as we enter the these Golden Chalice weeks coming up, Star Trek, Star Wars, and Marvel, let's keep the conversation going. Some might say the hailing frequencies. Pete, how can people frequently hail you? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 12,718 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the P and the H. Like it today. This upcoming week on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, the debut of She-Hulk Fridays. That's on the 23rd. On September 24th, talking Andor Episode 1, 2, and 3. And then Star Trek Sundays remaining our our uh, North Star there remaining on Sundays. Uh, <laughs> indeed. Uh, so with that, Pete, with the adventure ahead of us, I will say adios to this episode and give you the final word. I've always wanted to explore an ethical gray area. Never fails to take my breath away. I wish I could kiss her and squeeze her. Excuse me?